So welcome everyone to this PC1 meeting on the uh, AFCO report on the reform of the treaties. And uh, today we have the pleasure to have here Mr. Helmut Scholz, uh, which is uh, a co-rapporteur of the AFCO report and member of the Spinelli group. And we asked him uh, to um, introduce this debate and he kindly accepted to do it and so i'll give him the floor and then after his speech i will introduce myself some points on the report and then we will open the debate so welcome mr schultz and please i give the floor to you uh, thank you very much julian for for having invited me to participate in this uh, event um, um, yes, we are in the, in the phase or in the hottest phase before the consideration of the amendments to our report in the Constitutional Affairs Committee next uh, Thursday in Strasbourg. And later on, one week later, we will vote on this report. So the question is where we are, uh, what does it mean, and how the, the next um, steps uh, for the issue. Um, why five, or in the beginning it had been six co-operateurs from all political groups participating in this world? Because we considered it important that all political groups are um, contributing to find a way to, um, to leave the dead end in which the process of the convention resolution of the European Parliament of last a year uh, immediately after the conclusion of the conference on the future of Europe uh, already was and is. And we want then, and uh, also with the current report, contribute really to convene a convention to be able to answer those recommendations of citizens, those expectations to the three political institutions at EU level, but of course not limited to the Commission, to the Council and to the Parliament, but also involving how the um, national levels are coming in. So uh, to, to unleash a debate, a discussion, what and where we want to see changes. And that are uh, certain areas. But before going into the detail of the, the report as such, I would remind that yesterday the Spinelli Group had an event in the European Parliament where was a handover of um, an edit with current um, remarks uh, on a manifest for a, a Europe and solidarity, social and ecological, picking up the idea of the manifest of Entertainer um, which is more than 80 years old. And this new version, or I would say it is not a new version, it is a, a, a adding new, new, new ideas for the current challenges, which uh, Spinelli, Rossi and others couldn't have envisaged at that time. Climate change, technological developments as a way of where, where we have to deepen the integration also taking into account that originally it was a very limited number of member states who founded the European Union. Then the enlargement came and we had became new members. 
and the last uh, enlargement, in particular to the middle and uh, central and um, eastern countries, played a big role in this. So all these uh, issues and the gap in the social reality in the societies of the European Union also mark that uh, until now, more or less, we are still only uh, Staatenverbund uh, in the understanding and interpretation of um, internal market. So the question is, has an internal market uh, interest in the question of values? Has an internal market interest in the defense and foreign and security policy? Um, how an internal market is, is contributing to tackle climate change and mitigating the loss of biodiversity? Uh, how we are shaping the relationship between this internal market and the and other regions and countries in the world. So the whole relationship in a more geopolitical, geoeconomic issue must be today taken on board when we are defining where to go. So having said that, of course, the, the co-operateurs try, yeah. try, try to work together in picking up these, uh, these challenges and putting it in a concrete framing. And that, I think, is a, the real added value of this report, uh, which is now presented after a long time of hard work. And you can imagine then if there are uh, rapporteurs, co-rapporteurs uh, from the EPP to the left in the European Parliament, where we have quite different approaches to, uh, to, to the... Um, Sole uh, political fields, um, then it was not so easy to find a way. What is the, the, the red line? What is the what is the uh, what could be a, a possibility also to question the council to deal with this proposal from the European Parliament side? Um, I would also add here that. Uh, that leads to the question how the functioning of the European Union. So we went also not only in the, in the general uh, Lisbon Treaty, but we also went into the um, uh, AU3 uh, structure of the Lisbon Treaty, where we have to adapt um, uh, certain decision-making processes. So to, to unleash and to, to leave the dead end of European politics uh, we are facing very often. So, for example, uh, in the migration issue, in the, in the common and security policy, uh, foreign security policy, uh, in the question of uh, um, being in solidarity to tackle the social responsibility. So how to incorporate the social dimension, the social pillar, into the primary law of the European Union. So how to do this and who should be, from our point of view, the responsible structure. So we are also um, showing that uh, a change maybe in the, in the um, constitutional seating of the institutions, a reshaping of the relationship between the institutions is today necessary to make it working, to make it uh, believable, to make it transparent. To, to reach out to citizens, because that was also more or less a consensus uh, of all the co-operateurs finally working on this report, that it must be an inclusive democracy, it must be a participatory democracy in which people are able 
to participate in shaping policies at levels, at various levels, in their interest and in the interest of the whole structure of the European Union. So a little bit linking the utopia with the reality. The, the wishful thinking with, uh, with uh, showing the needs where we have to change. Uh, and that leads me to the final, maybe final introductory remark. Uh, we didn't want to have a Christmas tree. We didn't want to contribute what everybody already wanted to, to change. But the, the, the pathway of this report are the recommendations from the citizens and from the other structures in the Conference on the Future of Europe, where there was a clear commitment by all participants. We have to introduce and change smaller uh, um, how to say it, uh, um, smaller questions to be uh, in the daily work and the commission is saying yeah we have already a lot of these recommendations implemented in the current legislation but the crucial ones the really gaps so for example when the, the representatives from the young generation clearly emphasize their experience from the corona crisis is that we need a health union we need a health one policy in the European Union, giving them the chance to have access to medicines, to get treatment. Uh, and that should be in the responsibility of the European Union. And of course, this is interfering in the, until up to today, uh, existing structures uh, of the decision-making in the, in, the, in the member states. This leads us finally to the issue, would it be realistic to expect that this report can really change the, uh, the matter of facts, that the Council doesn't want to open the Lisbon Treaties, doesn't want to change. So, and that therefore we are really playing with, uh, with the, the argument and we are using the argument according to Article 48, Paragraph 2, where is clear the um, obligation of the Council to implement a report which is delivered by the European Parliament. So, and, and the French presidency, the Czech presidency missed the chance after this, uh, what to say, enthusiasm of a lot of people throughout Europe, of course, generally seen, it was a small, small, small part of citizens who participated in this. But the, the, the impact of this policy making, uh, of the economic and social reality of the situation, how we are tackling the, the multi, multiple crises in Europe, mentioned the COVID already, migrant problems is back today as one of the biggest challenges to the European Union. Of course, the, the, the Russian aggression against Ukraine, um, but um, and um, also the way of how we are how we are defining uh, the capability of the European Union to speak and to act together in the in the in the uh, in the in the how to say it, in the um, uh, heritage of Spinelli how to overcome hate, how to overcome a situation 
when people are shooting each other at the battlefields, and that should that never come back again. So the question then, from only for this area and field of the uh, foreign and security policy, is linked, of course, also to the challenge of the enlargement. And you all know that the Council and the Commission have agreed to grant the candidate status for um, to Ukraine, to uh, Moldova, um, and uh, in, a, in a certain way also to Georgia, and here to meet the expectation coming out of this promise. So are we in unity with the world, the, the official policy of the European Union is um, telling the citizens, or do we again the mistakes that we are postponing because the problems are as big as to be expected that we are not going seriously into the concrete field of working on solutions and including, of course, all the citizens from that, uh, from these countries and from this region. And that is true, not only for the three countries I mentioned, but it is also true for the so-called West Balkan. Uh, and uh, in a certain way, it, uh, it is, of course, uh, also putting the question, what does it mean for Turkey? But that maybe is a huge uh, issue. And only to say that, um, uh, that the pathway of the enlargement uh, is challenging the European Union itself. Are we capable to enlarge? Are we prepared to that? What we are defining as, a, for example, the cohesion policies, in which the cohesion policy must, must be continued in the interest of the today's member states. And even there, you are seeing today already, uh, while we are discussing the midterm uh, review of the uh, multi-annual financial framework, that the money is going from the cohesion funds and structural funds agriculture funds into the defense policy. What does it mean for the democratic awareness of citizens in Europe being excluded from this decision making? So a wide range of problems, wide range of new aspects the European policy has to tackle with is just now on the, on the proof. And uh, we got more than 300 amendments alone from the committee. Uh, some some of them are um, um, backed by other committees who also contributed to our work. So we had consulted almost all other committees in the House on the report. And um, uh, that, I think, is a, um, the interesting session on next Thursday. So maybe if you are interested, you can, of course, follow this session uh, via the web stream of the parliament and um, yeah and also the arguments we are exchanging between us as co-rapporteurs as well as uh, of the uh, of the other members thank you very much and um, i'm really interested in hearing your positions your expectations your views and your criticism to us uh, so, um, and that is, um, that is interesting. Yeah, why all rapporteurs are German? I see the question in the chat. I would say by occasion, because they have been named by the groups and the conference of the presidents. 
to the conference of presidents when it decided to have such an initiative resolution. Uh, these, uh, these members um, occasionally um, had been a responsibility, partly also because Gabi Bischoff, as the only uh, woman in this um, composition of uh, rapporteurs, um, and Guy Verhofstadt, Daniel Freund and me, we had been also members, also on behalf of the Conference of Presidents, Uh, chosen for being the members of the uh, of the executive uh, board or steering committee, uh, steering committee we can describe it of the conference uh, as such since 2020. Thank you very much, Mr. Schulz, and thank you for having uh, uh, draw a um, very a precise picture of the situation in which uh, the European Union is now, of uh, the difficulties, of the uh, very tragic moment in which we are, and so the challenges that the European Union must face. Um, uh, I just want to underline some points of this um, proposal for treaty reform uh, from, let's say, more an institutional point of view. Uh, and I want to underline that this is not a reform that touches only some points of the functioning of the European Union, but it is a reform that aims at modifying the whole functioning of the European Union uh, and at rendering it more democratic and more similar to, to a federation, let's say. Um, I consider this proposal for reform very, very positive and advanced. And uh, I think that there are four points which are very important from an institutional point of view. The first one is that this reform make it easier to take decisions uh, in the European Union institutions. The second is that it renders the decision making at EU level in general more democratic. The third is that according to me, it paves the way for uh, the creation of a real democratic government of the European Union. And eventually the fact that the amendments of the future treaty would be uh, adopted uh, through the ratification just of a majority of the member states. And these are, uh, according to me, the points which are uh, most important from an institutional point of view, which of course has uh, very important consequences also on the content and on the policies that the European Union uh, would be able to, to do um, in the future. Uh, concerning the taking of decision, the, the main reform proposed is the uh, abolishing of the unanimity in practice. So every decision is taken by qualified majority. Uh, and so it will not be possible anymore for a state to block a decision or to, to blackmail the other uh, member states. And in particular, the, the report wants to overcome unanimity also in common foreign and security policy and as regards the decision by the European Council to decide the creation of a common defense. These are uh, fields in which now the European Union decides by unanimity and with uh, mechanisms which are intergovernmental. They remain still intergovernmental in this report, even if there's a participation of the European Parliament, which has to, con to give its consent. But unanimity is uh, not anymore there, and the decisions are taken by qualified majority. And this qualified majority applies also to other very important decisions, like the fiscal harmonization, 
uh, of direct and in indirect taxes, uh, the flexibility clause, the um, rule on the um, suspending of payments and commitments from the union in case of violation of the rule of law by a member state. So this becomes the 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 rule, the the majority decision, and so there is it is not any more possible for a state to block a decision on these very very important issues. Uh, the second is, point is the strengthening of democracy, which is very important. Uh, uh, first of all, because the European Parliament becomes uh, co-legislator in almost all the fields of European Union law. And so it is not just a question of abolishing the unanimity in the Council and European Council, but also of the full participation of the uh, institution which represents the citizens. And above all, the Euro European Parliament will have uh, power concerning all resources, and in particular the um, the procedure to decide on the resources of the of European Union uh, will not be any more decided by uh, an, unanimous, an unanimous uh, decision by the Council and the ratification by all the member states, but just by the um, ordinary legislative procedure. So. Um, Parliament and Council uh, by majority. And this is very important because the, the fiscality, the fiscal power is one of the basis of democracy. And uh, so citizens can decide on uh, fiscality because it concerns their future. It concerns the, the resources that the, the union will have at their disposal to, to decide its own politics. So fiscality is not something which is merely technical. It is something that influences all the policies that the European Union can do. So from this point of view, the European Union becomes um, autonomous from a financial point of view from the member states. Um, and the other element of democracy is the possibility to have a, a European referendum. Uh, and this possibility is um, previewed also in case of um, no ratification of the amendments uh, of the of the new treaty by the four fifths of the of the member states. So it it will be possible to uh, convene a referendum, an European referendum. Um, third, the creation of something similar to European government. This is also a very important point because the Commission, first of all, is named the executive. And this renders the commission also as a name more similar to, to a government. And the president would be um, chosen by the European Parliament and then uh, have to be approved by the European Council. But the commissioners would be just 15 and uh, chosen by the president. So the commission becomes something more similar to a government in the sense that if it is the president that can choose the uh, members of the European Commission, the European Commission is not any more a technical institution, but it has a political homogeneity. And so it becomes something more similar to a government with a very strong relationship with the European Parliament, of course. So it becomes like uh, a government of the European Union or something in the direction of a government of a European Union. And lastly, uh, the uh, procedure to amend the new treaty, because here uh, is uh, previewed that ratification uh, is not a ratification by all the member states, but uh, also by a four-fifths of the uh, member states. This is, of course, a procedure that would be applied to the new treaty, so not 
for the approval um, of uh, this reform, but it opens the way to introduce a majority also in this case, in the sense that um, it is now discussed, this principle of majority also for approving this reform. Uh, my, in my view, uh, this um, report has a very important role in the sense that, first of all, as Mr. Schott said, it is a consequence of the Conference on the Future of Europe. So it is backed by the will of the citizens. And second, it has uh, newly opened the perspective of changing radically the treaties and also the perspective that the procedure provided for by Article 48 will not be necessarily followed but there's the perspective that in the convention uh, there's should could be like a break. So like a, a decision, a strong decision to create a political union. And this decision not necessarily will involve all the member states. It is also possible that we have states that want to unite in a political union and states that want to remain just in the market. So in my opinion, this proposal for reform opens a very, um, very important perspective and opens a debate to change really the European Union and to render the European Union capable of facing the, the, the challenges that it has to face in, in these uh, days. So it is not just uh, the content of the report, but also the perspective it opens uh, concerning the procedure to its approval and to uh, the creation of a new structure for the European Union. So these were my um, most important points. And uh, then I, for me, I finished what I wanted to say and I would like to to open the debate to everybody who wants to contribute. Shall I begin with answering to the question which has been raised in the chat? Now, only for the orientation, I have to leave at seven o'clock to the airport. So that is a time frame we have uh, from my point of view. And I, I can only but encourage you to continue if you're interested to discuss the various aspects of this uh, of this report and maybe the problems around this report because it's not only the report we are speaking about the reality in Europe and um, um, it starts uh, with the answer to why the little public publicity because a lot of actors and stakeholders in Europe are not interested in opening the treaties even to, to start a debate about the, the plus and the minus of the treaties in relation to the question how it is functioning today from the perspective of the member states. So first of all, probably we have to answer, and partly I mentioned it, what we want to be in Europe. Uh, and you, you know it probably better than me that there are a huge range of answers to this question alone in Italy, going to, to France, to Germany. We are seeing in which way the social, uh, the, 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 the public um, uh, life is developing because a lot of citizens are frustrated about the not moving of, pol of the politicians 
towards their expectations and changing their reality, both at the member state level and partly, of course, also of the European Union. And if in Germany, for example, if there is a report about European Union policies, then it is always the summit of the heads of governments and states, sometimes the commission, but almost not reporting about the exchange of views, the work in the European Parliament and the Committee of Regions, uh, the, the, the social partners in the Economic and Social Committee of the European Union. So it is a very differentiated awareness how the multi-level governance of the EU is already functioning and where we have to change certain issues in the directions we are trying to describe and where we are thinking that the conference has put them on the table. And they have put on the table not everything, but from, from the participants, the most burning issue regarding the, uh, the treaty change. So um, once more, we, we are not um, able to, to deal with all the aspects, even if they are all interlinked. Logically, I agree with you, um, uh, uh, Julia, that, that um, the way of how we are organizing a democratic decision-making is a crucial one. Each mayor at the municipality is, of course, guided by the frame, for example, we are giving in the public procurement area for him. So he is binding, uh, responsible in a binded way, responsible for, in, for, in, uh, for implementing these frameworks at the municipal level. Nobody knows that that is European policies, in the plus and in the minus. And that we can uh, go give in all other areas as well. So that I would say is one point. Um, and um, so this is then, of course, also the question you, you mentioned with the ordinary legislative um, um, uh, process in the, in the European Union. Um, um, and, and therefore, we are trying to open there where it seems to be uh, to be a good intro, um, uh, um, entrance point for going further, but that is an entrance point. Thirdly, our task was not to describe the whole complexity of a treaty, but we are trying to make a proposal from the parliament to convene a convention who is then responsible to work on these issues. So we are not in the situation that we, that we could have been able to, to produce a new treaty. And you know all the referendum in France about the last constitutional treaty and in the Netherlands, or the three votes in Ireland, which also increase the frustration about citizens that their first rejection was not recognized. So the big and the smaller countries. So this relationship is, of course, also playing a role in the aspect. And therefore, uh, frankly speaking, we have not yet discussed the plan B. Um, so we we are in the in uh, hoping that the majority and working for that, that the majority, a clear majority of the parliament, 
is with us, is going the direction. And therefore, a lot of compromises are, of course, not mirroring all the political positions, points of the various political uh, groups in the House. So we, we, tr we try to be limited to, to, to develop a strategy for going in this direction. And yes, uh, the overcoming of the unanimity is one of the crucial points, problems we have to solve if we want to change something. Uh, that is starting already. And in the convention or for the convention, there is a single majority necessary. So it means we need 15 countries who would support the call of the European Parliament to convene a convention. And therefore, we have a hot political battle among the member states and among other political groups, of course. So it is not by occasion that the co-rapporteur from the European Conservatives and Reformists left the rapporteurship because he said, this is not the Europe we as Polish party from peace want to develop. We have uh, Article 7 um, procedures in this uh, and to better it uh, in our uh, our report. So it is, of course, also the question about rule of law, democratic um, uh, constitu um, uh, yeah, constitutional uh, situation of the member state, etc. All these aspects are behind this small question. And um, what I also wanted to, to say, uh, of course, in my own group, I will be probably, I will face a lot of hot discussions. Why I agree to a defense union. And you know, the left uh, is not seeing the militarization of the European Union as a tool which is changing the ability to act in the international um, and global forum. The Peace Nobel Prize winner should be stick to the, to the soft power in this direction. That is our con convention. Nevertheless, I try to, to, to work in the direction that we, that we are describing in which way a defense union, in particular in the situation where we are today, with the war in, in, in Ukraine, with the conflicts in other uh, regions uh, in the neighboring countries, uh, what is going on on the border between Kosovo and Serbia. So we have a lot of, of issues where we have to look into the detail and, and um, uh, so therefore, I, I agree to, 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 to go there because I think the, the European integration is in a certain way also a left idea coming from, from Spinelli and others. So um, because we want to have a, a, a union which is really establishing solidarity, equality, justice, uh, uh, coexistence, and... Uh, and, um, and um, 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 yeah, I don't know exactly the, the English word, sorry for that, to take care about uh, the problems and the daily life of citizens. Not only talking about the uh, huge policies, but policy is always concrete and precise. And the impact of political decisions is each and every citizen's targeting um, uh, alone. So he and she must be able to, to, to judge where I come in. And uh, I worked all the time in this legislative per, uh, 
term also in the direction of participatory democracy. I made an own report, which has been adopted, how we are de developing new tools. So the citizens initiative as one, um, very much under, under discussion is a participatory budget because budget was mentioned. Yes, of course, we have to increase the, the, the rights and the ability of the European Parliament to be a full um, equipped with rights parliament like it is at the member state level. We have to come in. We should have the, uh, the right on legislative initiative. We should uh, be able to uh, uh, to make laws in the interest. Maybe not all and, and the important in, in some smaller fields of technical issues, adoption, etc. But in the main problems, we need it. And we want to, to bring these level back to the citizens. That's why, therefore, this relationship between the decision-making process at the EU level and the right of citizens to participate in that. And um, um, this is linked then to referendum. Yes, I know uh, we have a lot of uh, countries where a referendum is not obligatory. We have some countries where it is obligatory. Our proposal is that we want to introduce an EU-wide referendum on this issue. To, to not to repeat the mistakes of 2005. And, um, and um, this, this means uh, we have challenged all of us, the societies and the uh, responsible governance structures to respond how we are doing it. And uh, yes, I know that there are politicians, there are political forces who are totally rejecting this idea. And we will have with the European elections next year, the test of the truth, as I would say. So do we have the chance to convey persuading answers to the, to the questions of the people? And does this report contribute to, to deal with this uh, answers finding process or it is hindering. And um, so I can only uh, but encourage uh, all of us to work in the direction of getting more public attention to these complicated uh, issues. And of course, uh, as I see also the question in um, uh, um, uh, a question of uh, including the uh, the uh, the new uh, countries who wants to be member of the EU. So if this should be a project, as it said, we need first the deepening, and then then uh, it is one answer. We also should not say only enlarging without deepening, because that would not function. Because that would reduce the whole enlargement to a geopolitical battle between the European Union and other countries. And it would not solve the, the internal needs to reshape the functioning of the European Union in the interest of the citizens. So why we have no energy union? Why we are keeping the energy mix at 27 member states level? Why we are not really developing a European economic policies? We are giving frames, etc., because we are interpreting still ourselves as being German, French, Italian, Romanian, Basque, etc. So this 
but this discussion must be organized. And I'm not so optimistic about the outcome of this longer process, but opening the process, starting the work in inviting others to participate in this issue is the only precondition that European Union will be able to answer the future challenges in the interest of our children and grandchildren and the future generations, in the interest of environment, in the interest of peace, and in the interest of social equality at our continent, inside the European Union. So that, I think, uh, is, is the main, main problem here. Uh, I could talk a lot of other things. I saw just now another question. Uh, um, yeah, the type of federalism. Maybe that is leading into the wrong direction because we are leading this discussion of federalism for, for decades and have never been successful. So why not starting with the problems we have to solve and then to, then to determine what are the tools, what are the ways, what are the mechanisms, what are the spaces for answering these questions of today. And then if we are organizing really such uh, better, how to say it, a working and cooperation uh, within the European Union, the European Union with others, uh, probably we can also come to a point where we are discussing what we want to from the, from the state law, from the institutional, from the constitutional aspect uh, to be as European Union. You know, the uh, Ulrike Gureau has the idea of the Republic of, Rep uh, Republic of Europe because they want to give any uh, citizens the right to vote um, uh, according to a union citizenship and by the citizenship to reach the issues. I think it's an interesting idea, but it will not solve the problem which we are discussing now because it will not neglect the economic realities of the internal market. So the gap between the rich and the poor, between north and south, between east and west will be continued. So we have to determine what are these tools, etc. And um, uh, looking to the questions, the last one, uh, we have a report on the own resources from the budget committee and from the constitutional affairs committee. The opinion of the constitutional affairs committee was worked out by me um, as a contribution to the discussion in the budget committee as one aspect we need own resources. Imagine if we would today ask the countries only for, and that was today another discussions I had on the, on the, um, um, uh, on the structural policies and the funds. If, if we would not be able to continue to use these funds really to help to develop certain regions to overcome the biggest inequalities, even if that, that would be immediately go into the direction when Moldau or Georgia or even Ukraine, Kosovo will become members of the European Union, then a lot of these cohesion funds are going into these regions. Even the less developed regions of today would not get any more support. What does it mean? for the democratic awareness and discussion in these regions. And we have to avoid that there is a clash 
between the different regions. So we have to, to reform it in, in a certain way. So we need also a new financial structured system of the European Union. Uh, other ways, because Poland, Hungary, and I could tell you uh, a lot of other countries would reject the idea to increase the contribution to the, to the budget. Exceptionally, maybe, but not democratically controlled, not, not put under the um, surveillance of the European Parliament. It would remain a deal between governments to solve the one or the other problem in their interest. And that is a continuation of an undemocratic construction of the European Union in a certain way, because we are not going to the core of the problems in the issues. And therefore, I am really grateful. I'm really uh, delighted that the European Parliament has started to work in this direction. I mean, there is a lot of resistance also. And there is, of course, the question, uh, if you are coming from one of the countries I mentioned, that you would be targeted as a, a traitor of the national interest. But we are not elected for interpreting and representing a national interest. We are elected to participate from the citizens' point of view in the policy making of the European Union. And we should not forget these tasks the European parliamentarians have. So that would be maybe um, would be some of my answers. Uh, uh, the symbols we have not taken on board because that uh, would immediately uh, lead uh, to to less support for the for the for the for this report, and we have to make sure that the report gets a, a, a big majority for being able also to ask to go to the council and say the overwhelming majority or a big majority of the of the parliament is demanding the the, the call for a convention. So please, and if you not go, and then maybe that is also ability for Plan B, then we have the ECG, and uh, we have the article. But that is, of course, not the solution. I don't want to have a battle between the institutions. I want to persuade that we have a common task to better European policies. Thank you very much. So... Are there other interventions? Because this uh, meeting was also convened to discuss a proposal for um, a resolution for our federal committee, which is called for a, uh, a more democratic Europe now, uh, and some proposals for amendment to these resolutions. So today we, we won't vote, vote on, on this, but just discuss. And I think that um, Mr. Scholz underlined very well the the fact that um, this report will open um, a perspective of really changing the European Union. And so we as federalists, uh, according to me, we should uh, um, support this report because it is a very important occasion to uh, open the debate and also to um, reform the European Union perhaps in a way which is not reviewed by the treaties, but refound the European Union on more democratic basis and um, make that it becomes similar to, to uh, a federation. So um, this process, according to me, it is very important for this reason. So because it is able to open like a constituent process, so a refunding of, of the European Union. And 
according to me, we federalists should should uh, support this process and um, open a battle to to the convention to the convening of the convention uh, for the opening of this discussion and for the uh, having a real perspective of reform in the European Union. But now I who wants to take the floor? I see uh, Roberto Castaldi. Thank you, uh, thank you, Julia. First of all, uh, I would like to thank uh, Mr. Scholz for coming and for the work they've done because uh, the, the report uh, is really detailed and most of the issues that have been raised also in the chat regarding on resources and so on are fully addressed by the report. So I wanted to ask you two questions. The first one is uh, there are, I've seen also the big number of amendments that have been proposed, and I would uh, uh, split them in three groups. One by the nationalists that want to destroy the report altogether. Uh, the second by those who want to water it down. And the third by those who want to strengthen it in a few points regarding rights or uh, um, powers and competencies and for the amendment procedure. So. What are his expectations regarding the, uh, the amendments? And the second question is about ratification. Uh, I believe that in, in, the, in the project, uh, uh, there is this idea that ratification will happen by four-fifth, and only if this is not uh, uh, reached, uh, there would be a European referendum. Uh, I'm worried that uh, we can have a four-fifth of ratification, but if the one that we don't have is France, nobody will be willing to go ahead and we won't have a legal basis to have a European referendum because four-fifths have been reached. And it's uh, very likely that we will have a referendum in France and if it is a national referendum, we can lose by adding uh, the votes of Le Pen, Zemmour and Melanchon. So I believe it's very important the amendment proposed by Devesa, uh, De Benifei and Bresso regarding the idea that ratification should happen through a European referendum with double majority, a European majority and a national majority and majority of member states, which is the way that the federal referendum are done in Switzerland, for example, and with the proposal of a two round. So if there is a European majority and a majority, in, majority of member states, it is ratified, so it enters into force. But for those states where there was a majority against, they would vote against, uh, they would vote again within six months about ratifying or leaving the union. And in that case, I think that in France, we can win in the second round as well, because uh, the price of not ratifying it is so high. So I would like to know his view about the, this issue, which I think would be the most important one to bring uh, uh, whatever reform will come out from the convention to fruition and to ratification. Thanks. A good question. And I have no um, no view in the uh, in this glass to see uh, what will be the result of the of the voting. But if you see the groups you mentioned, and I would agree with you that are the three directions, then um, then these are <clears throat> certain delegations or certain members, and. Um, um, the majority of the groups has still not yet decided how to vote finally. So um, 
the, the, the real battlefield, I guess, will be after the committee voting, before we are going to the plenary vote, because then we have different majorities, maybe, and uh, different views on the whole issue. So it would be very positive and, and, and necessary to use the time to November also to increase uh, the, the, not the pressure, but the, uh, the, the discussion around this report and the, and the meaning of this report and the current situation, this current political and economic situation of the European Union. And not to give in that others who want to destroy, as you said, the European Union, the structure, to give them a chance to do so. There had been some reflections by some members before who said we should not touch this work. Because if you open the box of Pandora, you will not be able to, to keep it. But I would say that is a wrong understanding of democracy. If the problems and points are on the table, we have to deal with them. And we have to determine in which way we want to solve the one or the other issue. Uh, we, we only should look into the into the past when we are not discussing problems and aspects and to find together solution it will always lead to a to a more splitted correlationship between member states or between the eu and third countries etc so it must be as it was said an operation and the open heart and uh, we have to understand that um, uh, that we can't hide somewhere uh, behind the curtains. This policy of the old Chinese uh, imperator Sisi is once uh, and always forever uh, gone. And um, uh, if you really want to have uh, democratic solutions, I mean. Uh, so that, I think, is the only way we, we have to move. Uh, so I hope that uh, in, the, in the committee we will have a majority to adopt it. Uh, we will have next Monday one more technical meeting with uh, of the co-operateurs where, where we are dealing finally with uh, finding compromises maybe in certain areas with amendments where we are seeing this could be either better as a report or we are seeing uh, maybe less is better than uh, adding something. So this is a, the, 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 the work we still have to, to do. So the weekend and the Monday, uh, we have to continue the hard work on this uh, report and looking through where, where are chances of, of um, abilities to go in this direction. I hope I have answered in a certain way your question. Other interventions? I mean, the last question in the in the chat, very interesting. That's why we are saying climate change is the challenge. It is the challenge and we have to prepare. We have to find solutions to be equipped to find new ways to solve all the challenges. So how we are organizing an energy policy, giving also each citizens access to affordable energy, how we are producing it under the question that we want to have the CO2 free continent. Um, 
hopefully to 2014, because we know the time is running and the clock is ticking. So, I mean, this is this is so obvious. And that's why I, I'm, I guess we have to find ways to go uh, into this direction. And that will, of course, also lead to a discussion within and among and between political groups to go with this step or another step together in opening uh, the way 